From Like to Know It, this is Influencer Radio, a show about the influencer industry. This summer, I'm traveling across the pond to our London office to sit down with some of the most successful influencers in the United Kingdom. Together, we will unpack the unique personal and professional journeys of these creative entrepreneurs and get to know the whys and hows of the digital businesses they've built. As part of our Summer Abroad mini-series, we will have a new episode for you every week for four weeks. I'm Amber Vince Box, president and co-founder of Reward Style and Like to Know It, and an influencer myself. Welcome to Influencer Radio, Summer Abroad. Our guest today will be no stranger to your Instagram feeds and really needs no introduction. One of the original influencers in the UK, Lydia, has been crafting her blogging business for more than seven years now and has been a part of the growth of this new industry. Lydia's other half, Allie, is also an influencer, not an Insta boyfriend as you might think, but an influencer all his own. On today's episode, Lydia takes us through paving your own path, how the industry has changed, and what it's like to work with her husband, Allie. She's graciously offered to share her tips and tricks. Lydia, we are so honored to have you here with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Lydia, I would love to know a little bit about your early childhood. Where did you grow up? Wow, gosh, where did I grow up? It's not really anywhere interesting, but um, I had a very normal upbringing, really. It was me, my brother and my mum living in a little house in a place called Croxy Green. And my mum actually still lives on the same road as well. And it was just pretty standard really. I didn't really think that there was going to be this huge kind of career that I would go on to have. I didn't think I was one of those people and so this is all very like amazing for me. I don't think I ever wake up on a single day and think god this is this is pretty cool. (laughs) The place where you grew up is it a suburb of London? I I think it's classed as London but if you say that to people in London they kind of they laugh at you, but it is at the end of the metropolitan line. So I think that it is. And it is, it's one of those places that's still really expensive to live. So it's about 20 minutes to Euston. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, it's lovely there as well. You get kind of the best of both worlds, I would say, but it's, it's nice. Were you the oldest sibling or was your brother older? My brother's older than me, actually. Yeah, yeah. Although I feel like we're not really that different, especially now. I feel like we're just kind of like the same. We grew up so closely that there's not really a huge age gap. So is he also a creative? So do you know what? He's such an incredible person. He really, really struggled. Actually, he's quite similar in in, in his approach to, to school as I was, but he really struggled um, when he was at school and he actually, on his own merit, decided to stay back a year. And that doing that, he excelled. He went back a year. He He really knuckled down and now he's got a really really successful property business by himself and he's just built his own home and he's got two gorgeous boys that I just love and yeah he's made such an amazing life for himself I'm so proud of him well your mother must be so proud too and so she raised you guys by herself so my dad is obviously still very much in the picture I've got my dad and my stepmom but we lived most of our lives with our mum and she worked really really hard and um, she still works really really hard but my dad as well has been so amazing in our lives and I see my dad so much he literally lives down the road now so I'm very much a daddy's girl So what did you guys fill your time with when you were growing up? 
Oh gosh. Um, my brother was a little bit of a, a, a tear away and um, he would always get himself into trouble. He was always like making things and like making slingshots and stuff like that. Whereas I was quite a, a quiet child. I just did things like collect Beanie Babies and stuff like that. I literally I did the same thing. We were all going to be rich on Beanie Babies. Yes. That was the plan. <laughs> so true. I've still got them as well. Like I'm like holding on to them. I have, I have such belief in them. <laughs> with the tags, with the covers on the tags. I've still got them. <laughs> So when did you get your first job besides collecting mini babies? I wish that was a job. Um, my first job was, I think I had like a Saturday job at the hairdressers at the end of my road. I'm pretty sure I got sacked. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I got sacked. But it was definitely like my first foot into just learning the ropes of employment. And I think that, I think I learned fairly early on that I maybe didn't want to be employed. I think I... As, as I got other jobs and I, I worked in different scenarios, I think I realised that I was the kind of person that wanted to work for themselves. And a lot of people in my family do that. And I think that that freedom was really important to me. So, yeah, now I get to kind of enjoy that side of things. <laughs> so after high school, did you want to go on to uni? No. Do you know what? I really, I didn't enjoy high school at all. I, I wasn't like a typical academic kind of person. I really struggled and I didn't really, I, I was always that person that on my report cards. It would say like, should apply herself more and things like that. I just wasn't into it. And part of me looks back on that and I wish I tried harder, but in the same breath, it's part of my, my nature in that sense. That wasn't how I learn. I learn from sort of physical and trying things and I learned through trial and error and just more life experience I was one of those kids that was more like you know learning through life rather than sitting down with a textbook so it's kind of a different side of things I'd say because you get a lot of people that are like oh, I loved school I was really academic and I just I remember reading quite a few blogs when I first started and being like oh that really wasn't my that wasn't my journey and so it became quite important to me that I was sort of flying the flag for the girls that maybe weren't so academic and didn't have that that drive in normal academics so I didn't really I always go off piste with my answers but so basically I didn't want to go to uni I didn't think it was for me and then suddenly when I was like 21 years old I was like actually I'm I was working in fashion at the time and I was really experiencing like that glass ceiling of being able to go from store level to head office and so I thought I'll go to uni and that was where the blog happened <laughs> okay so let's back up I know, so much I literally there. I go I go off east so much so it's typical here in Europe for people to take gap year and so maybe that's after high school or even later where people go maybe traveling for a year they do something else did your friends take gap year as well so you guys were all like not in school together or did your fr friends split up or what was that like so I didn't really leave school with like a solid group of, of friends I think I found my friends a lot later on in life so they never really became like a huge part of where I ended up and um, same when I was at university like I didn't really have like a solid group of girls and I, I much later on in life I found like my peeps where were you working after high school you started the oh. fashion industry yeah, yeah. Well, fashion industry. I worked at uh, a little boutique in Watford and it was my mum's friend's boutique and it was just the most gorgeous shop ever. Like it's still there. It's called The End and it is just stunning. It's all like exposed old brickwork and it's beautiful. And I messaged her one day and I was like, look, you know, if you ever happen to have any jobs, just just think of me and just consider me. Even if you just consider me, I'd, I'd be very honoured. And she was like, come in tomorrow. You've got a job. 
And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, this is so surreal. And it became this weird thing that I loved working there. Like, even when I was sick, I went in there and I was just, I loved it. But it was so funny. They they reminded me of this the other day when I saw them, that they used to put the items of clothing that weren't selling on me. And that would make people go and they would sell out. And obviously that's such a compliment for me, but... It's so funny how like now down the line, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm wearing really lovely clothes, but it was just so funny that that was seen almost then as well. So I worked retail as well. Did you? And whatever I would wear in the store every day would always sell. And and honestly, it's like the live mannequin. Yeah. And that was the thing when I came into the store was I actually couldn't afford the clothes that were sold at the store that I worked at, but they would say, come in and just pick out an outfit every day, maybe change it twice so you don't, you're not like getting something dirty or whatever, but we wanted to show them like the full styled look. Yeah. And so it was like, yeah, it was like an early, early mannequin. Mm-hmm. What did you like about that store? Why, why did you want to be there? I think that the owner herself was just so motivating and it was such a really lovely environment to work in. It was chilled, but also I think I became, it sounds really cliche, but I became such a better person from working there. They really got me on the straight and narrow and it's where I realized that I had this love of fashion I had no idea before I just wanted a job and then when I was working there and I was surrounded by all of these beautiful clothes I I, I really felt myself sort of flourishing and I loved the idea of pairing certain pieces with another piece and the idea of of pairing higher end and lower end items together and just making something really cohesive um and it was really funny when I ended up at university I I didn't have a job in fashion then and I really like suffered which was so bizarre I I needed to be consumed around like all of the the beautiful clothes and so I ended up getting myself like three jobs (laughs) just in fashion when I was at uni well it's interesting once you find something that you really love and are really passionate about whatever that is whether it's clothing or animals or children or taxes, whatever it is that you fall in love with, you have such discretionary effort for that thing. I know at Like to Know It, we're always looking for team members who are just obsessed with something because they will be the best at that thing because they are truly obsessed with it. And and that's what it sounds like played out for you as well. Yeah. I mean, I wish I was obsessed with taxes, though, because if I was good at taxes, that would be so much more helpful. (laughs) The little things. Yeah. You can find a friend. (laughs) Yeah. So you decided to go back to uni despite not loving school. What kind of stepping stone was that for you? I think that it was my time, which sounds so like, but um, I was excited. And I think that that's the biggest thing about when I'm learning something. I need to be excited and I need to want to go. I don't want to feel like I should go. And I was 21. I was working. I'd found what I wanted to do, first of all, because I didn't just want to go and do any degree. I found where I was kind of headed It was a little bit more difficult than I had in mind because I didn't have a lot of grades. I hadn't applied myself at school. I didn't know what my, you know, plan was. So I just, I had to kind of go with what they offered me to a certain extent. Um, I tried and tried to get them to let me go on the, the fashion marketing degree and they let me do retail marketing. I had to fight them the whole way through. And it was really funny in my last year when I'd started my blog, they turned around to me and they said, it's a shame that you didn't get to do the the degree that you wanted to do, but it's so good to see that you flourished and found a way to incorporate that passion as well to your university time. So 
yeah, it was it was an interesting. I took like the the scenic route, I guess. Like I went a little bit off piste. <laughs> no, but it's it's funny in your journey where you have a plan for yourself and you know that you need to go do that thing, and because that door closed, you actually found a window by by starting a blog. Yeah. And oftentimes, the best journey is not the journey that we have planned, but the one you know that who knows if the blog would have started if you would have had your fulfillment through this other degree. So back in 2011, yeah, people had blog names, and it was usually like a color a flower, a pattern. It was usually not your name. So what was the name of your blog? This is so embarrassing. (laughs) This is so embarrassing. So um, I just went with what I knew what to do and it was called buying tings. So I just, you know, tried to make it really, really edgy, missed the H. Um, It was very short lived and I realized that I'm never going to get bored of my own name, basically. So let's just go with with that and not try to overcomplicate things. When did you switch from buying tings to your name? Even hearing you say it makes me cringe. (laughs) And you have the most amazing accent, so it should like be fine. But no, (laughs) I hate it. Um, I I think it was just a few months. I think it was a few months. And I, I don't really remember the point where I was really sort of thinking about things like that. It was just such a fun and you just didn't think too much about it and then there was a time when all of a sudden I was like I'm I'm gonna take this a little bit more seriously so maybe I think it was probably a few months afterwards I was like yeah I'm really enjoying this. What did you write about on this blog? Anything really I mean to begin with it kind of I I didn't realize that people were taking pictures of clothes on themselves I was like let's just lay it out on my university bedroom floor that's a great way to make clothes look amazing um No, it wasn't. And within a few months, I discovered Lookbook. That was what what really, I I saw people wearing uh, their outfits. I was like, this is genius. Why did I not think of this? And so I started taking pictures. I first of all, I had my dad taking my pictures, bless him. Um, And then I got myself a tripod. I'm very impressed with your father for taking photos. I can't get my husband to take photos. (laughs) I mean, my mom is kind enough to do it, but that's he was really helping you to yeah. achieve. He was so sweet, actually, in the beginning. I remember because my university was quite near to theirs. I also had like a bedroom at his house. And one day I came home and he'd put two rails in this bedroom, one for clothes that I had shopped because I was getting like gifted some outfits um, from really like small indie brands. So he put one for outfits that I'd shot and one for outfits that I hadn't shot to help me keep track. And that was, like I hadn't even been doing it a year, but he really took it seriously from the word go and just loved, I think he just enjoyed seeing me be passionate about something because I'd never really found something that I was really, really passionate about. And that meant a lot to me. And I look back at that and I'm like, thanks dad. Well, there's nothing greater than seeing somebody you love, love something else and, and, from what you've described, this is probably one of the first things that he saw you just be truly passionate about. And this is how he could contribute to yourself. But uh, as a father, even knowing, reading your blog and knowing what you had already talked about, and whatnot, I mean, um, how loving. Yeah. And I think I've been really lucky in that respect. I've had quite a few people that have been in my life that without knowing have really believed in what I was doing. Even my husband, you know, he, it was funny, we were in a long distance relationship to begin with and in order for him to see me more he started taking my pictures from my blog because I would take them at weekends and he was like well hold on a minute you know I want to see you at weekends and I wouldn't drive to him until I'd shot my my outfits and so he picked up his dad's camera and started taking my outfits and then eventually I turned the camera on him and then obviously I've got like an amazing best friend as well and I, these people have always believed in me as a creator and with my blog and that is such a huge thing to have like 
for people to just believe in your vision. And I'm sure you must have had so many people in your life that have kind of spurred you on, even when you think that you can't do it. And I I feel like I've been lucky. In and that. that's one of the things about this industry is it really takes a team, even though it's yeah. built of solopreneurs, there's always people behind. So I, I do want to hear a bit more about your team. You, you said when you launched about eight years ago, you know, your dad's leaning and helping you. How Who all did you collect along the way? Well, I collected my husband. So you met your husband on Instagram. Yeah. That was before DMs were around. Yeah. So what were you doing? Well, he'd, he'd seen me before and then he just randomly found himself on my page again and I had just broken up with someone like two weeks before and I'd put up a picture and I'd put like the breakup diet or something like that because I was it was an awful breakup. He went through my page and he liked a picture of my iPad mini. Anyone on my channel will have heard this story so many times so I apologize but it is like it's it's such a huge part of my journey um, that he liked a picture of my iPad mini and I, I could see all of my interactions at that time because I had I think I had like 5,000 followers at the time and I saw his picture and it looked like he was at Zoo Project in Ibiza and he was and I used to work in Ibiza because you know what you were saying about gap years I never did that but I, I did like summers in Ibiza and so I went onto his profile and I looked at his pictures and I was literally, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, D do men like this exist? And he lives just down the road. This is amazing. Um, and so I followed him and then I realized that he wasn't following me. And I was like, oh, this one's playing games. Okay, okay. so let's take a moment. Everyone pull out your phone and go search for... Ali Gordon 89 and you will see exactly what Lydia is talking about. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> and yes, yeah, so there was no direct message. So I just, I unfollowed him. I was like, I have seen so many guys like this. When they look like that, they're usually, you know, in everyone's direct messages. So I was just like, let this one go. He's cute, but fine. And then he found me on Twitter and he followed me on Twitter. So persistent. Yeah, that was what I kind of liked. Like he bothered to go and find me on another platform. So I followed him back on Twitter and then he direct messaged me. And I just don't go into what I said in the direct messages because it's really cringe and he really likes to use it to uh, to embarrass me. So, yeah, if anyone knows the story, they, they know how it ends. <laughs> so how long into your blogging career was that that you met Ali? One year. Yeah, yeah. So it's it about one year. And um, it was all still very much just very chilled. But I was really dedicated to it, like I said. And um, but I took it seriously. And I would I think I would do like three posts a week on my blog. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So your dad has been helping you and you've collected Ali. And then who else is helping you to grow this business? Well, Ali was really, really important for a good sort of five years of things. He was the one that was devoted to taking my pictures if I had a collaboration or if I was working on some, you know, gifting basis. He was there taking my pictures. It's quite stressful. Though. Was he a photographer? No, actually, he just really enjoys. And even now, he, his content blows my mind. Like he really is. He's far more creative than I am and he really takes filming and photography really seriously um we don't work together on our content anymore because being married we want to have that separated a bit because it can be quite stressful um but then about two years ago I had my best friend come on board and she's taken a lot of the administration side of things off of my plate which people don't see online and they don't realize how much time that administration takes up I think we were talking about something the other day and there were 75 to 100 emails for one campaign that's so much time it's unbelievable so she really is 
the driving force behind all of that and brands love working with her as well like they just say the best things about working with her so it's really it's wonderful to have such a great team behind me she's a a true extension of your brand yeah yeah yeah, so you have her yourself there's a photographer now yep yep so we have uh someone full-time in-house mainly to capture the content that we would create if we could be behind the camera I think it's really important that I'm not necessarily bringing someone on board to just create this amazing collection of images or or videos it's it's still got to feel like me so I have a hell of a lot of input in creating everything that comes out from that partnership with our photographer but that was again meant that we could work a lot faster a lot more streamlined if a last minute brand collaboration comes in we're able to work on it and be really efficient so that was a choice that I made later on earlier on this year sorry Um, and it's been great and he's really just kind of integrated into the team which is really good. When you have a spouse that shares a unique career like like being an influencer um, what kind of things pop up that you guys have to handle that maybe you wouldn't have to handle if someone was in banking and somebody else was a teacher or something else that's more of a traditional career I think it's the balancing act uh, between your life and work because it's a very very blurred line like the most blurred line I think I've ever come across and Because he would come home, if he worked in just a normal job, which he did for a very long time, he has his routine set in stone and his evenings would be for nothing but relaxing. Now, we could, if we wanted to, we could work every single hour of every single day. And it's so important that we have that boundary where, you know, we sit down together and we're just a normal married couple doing our normal married couple things. And navigating that was really hard. So... I'm I'm glad that we've now sort of, we're, we're still, yeah, sometimes we're not that great at it, but we're getting there. Oftentimes in the influencer industry, women have a partner or a spouse that is kind of behind the business. And there's a huge opportunity for men now in this space as well. And there's a, kind of a big hole in the market. And so is that something that you would suggest for influencers to encourage their male counterpart to pursue or I think it's kind of what works for you. Obviously, Ali and I were very early with the whole partners working behind the scenes. And I think that um, when we worked together, it was great. And I don't think that I'll ever have anyone that works the way that Ali does behind the scenes. So selfishly, I wish that he could work for me all of the time. But in terms of our relationship and how important it is that we aren't at each other's throats which when you have deadlines it it can cause stresses that you wouldn't normally have I think it's really important that now we don't work together in that sense and I'm also really proud of him because he took a leap of faith before it was really a thing and really went for the men's market and a lot of his friends laughed a lot of people laughed at him and now it's kind of building on its own and so many guys are getting into it so I'm really proud of him that he stepped outside of his comfort zone and did that um but we still get to work together but he he's just not behind my camera unfortunately (laughs) so obviously you're doing so much more now than just the blog um that's where it started but what were your next steps in in your growth and expansion of the brand so for example um was YouTube or Instagram or like to know like how did you grow into these next new channels I never, ever thought I'd do anything other than my blog, if I'm perfectly honest. I, I was so against YouTube. It was unbelievable. I was petrified of it. Yeah, I would watch people, but it was scary. Like, being a person 
with mannerisms and weird laughs like I have, you it's scary to put yourself on the internet like that way. I was quite happy hiding behind my screen and just writing my little thoughts and things like that. But there was just one day when I thought, Do you know what, I'm, I'm going to try it. And the response made me cry. When I put my first YouTube video up, when people were so nice because they'd never heard me speak or do anything like that online the response to my personality and my weird quirks were it was really really lovely and it that, I think that kind of ignited something in me that made me really want to go after YouTube what was the video about oh it, I think it was like f 50 questions about me like random facts yeah it was like 50 random facts about me or something I think it's still on the internet I should probably take that down um <laughs> It's I, I'm petrified in this video. It's literally like a deer in the headlights. But I'm glad I did it. I am glad I did it. So you've continued to expand into new platforms. A couple questions about that. I guess, how are you approaching them? Do you approach them the same? Is it the same content? Is it different content? Do you, do you think you have different audiences in different places? Um, I don't think so. I, I feel like my audience is quite cohesive across across the board. So it's really nice to be able to to kind of spread what I'm enjoying across my platforms, but change things up. So it's always quite a difficult one to, to decide between what to post on Instagram and what to post on YouTube, especially with Instagram really going after video content at the moment. Um, that's been something that I've been trying to navigate. And I think that Instagram is much more bite-sized content. So I've been making that content a lot shorter and a lot more snappy. Whereas my YouTube content is a short film, <laughs> short film of my life. And it, they actually get mad at me if it's like under half an hour. So it has to be like a 40 minute vlog so that they can get on the treadmill and watch it whilst they're on the treadmill. So I now know that that's what they want. Slightly longer, cozy content and Whereas Instagram is more edited, a lot more styling videos happen on on Instagram for me. I don't necessarily do as much on YouTube. And then how do you approach Like to Know It? So with Like to Know It, I guess it's the best place for people to find me if they want to shop my Instagram outfits. It's super easy. And all of the pictures that I post with Like to Know It go onto that platform and you can shop all of the items I'm wearing directly from there, basically. And people also really love your home and you've expanded into that category. When did you create this new account for home? I think it started in December and I started the account and within, I think it was two days, I had 50,000 followers on the account. So that was, I mean, I, I guess I know my audience because they, they, that's what they wanted. <laughs> I gave the people what they wanted. Um, but it was really, I really enjoy that account because I'm not in front of the camera. I get to kind of be behind it and just show what we're getting up to and be creative and learn. And it's been really fun, really fun. So you're doing a lot more now. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious how you feel about um, the word influencer. Ooh. Does that describe you? Oh gosh, it's such a difficult one, isn't it? It's something that I feel really strongly about. Um, but you never, I, I never want to make anyone feel sort of bad for wanting to be an influencer or feeling like they identify as an influencer. I just never have because I think I started before the word was even a thing. And so it's a difficult one. I just feel like there's so many more, it's, it's multifaceted, this industry now. You're not just an influencer. You are a creator. You are a brand. And I think that it's important to know that there are differences because I, even though I understand when brands speak to me and they say, you know, oh, our influencer marketing strategy involves you. And I'm like, okay, I understand that. It's a blanket marketing term, but it's being used a lot more in everyday. I think what I'm hearing too is that, and even what I've seen 
at times is that the word influencers used pejoratively. Yeah. Um, and I think what I think you're doing a great job describing why it feels that way. And it's that it's not so simple as I am a waitress. I yeah. am a teacher. It's being an influencer means you're a photographer, a cinematographer, a community builder, yeah. a stylist. It requires so much. And especially as you expand into different categories, not just a fashion stylist, but an interior designer mm-hmm. and you're creating short films. And so it feels maybe a little bit limiting. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I also think that the relationship that I have with my audience, I almost feel like that, that gives it does them a disservice by me just saying that I'm an influencer because I would I, I would never think of that, you know, I'm just making content so that I influence them. That's not what I ever set out to do. But I totally understand that there are people that just, they want, that's what the relationship that they want to have with their audience. And it's just whatever suits you. And that's the beauty of this industry is you get to mould it into what you want it to be. And I've just never felt like that word sums up what I do and how seriously I take it that's another thing it's like I I take this whole industry so seriously I'm so passionate about it in both um speaking about it as I've done for so long on my blog I've always spoken about the industry but where it ends up as well I really want to see this industry have such a long life I want to show those people that say you know oh when's it all good when's the bubble gonna burst I mean for me it's never gonna burst I just think that there's gonna be a time when maybe it's a little bit more regulated and um people it's not just a term that someone can pick up one day because they've got a couple of thousand followers and they can be like I'm an influencer traveling the world or there's a little bit more of a criteria that you have to meet in order to be uh, a creator or an influencer because I do think that there's a lot of people out there that I hear it from brands all the time that they receive messages from people that say I've got 3,000 followers do you want to sponsor my holiday and it's like that's not that's not what I think we want to be known as known for we're not sponges or scroungers we work really hard to create content that our audience enjoy and I just would hate for that to ever be seen in in a negative light. So listeners that are interested in in entering this career would look at you and see that you have hundreds of thousands of followers across YouTube and like to know it and your blog and your Instagram and you start new channels and people follow you there. What would you say that it is about you that's differentiating that makes your audience continue to come back? I think with what I've done, and I don't think I did this consciously, but people are kind of following my life as it were. So it started, I was at university, I was living in a university flat and they are watching someone grow up and they've watched me grow into a woman, into a businesswoman. And I know that I really enjoy watching people grow as human beings. And I think that that's why people continue to to watch and to tune in because this isn't just someone that is just talking about fashion or just talking about beauty. You get all of that rolled into the everyday life of someone as well and as I move through the different stages from owning my first home to getting engaged to buying our second home it's it's almost like the the story that doesn't stop and so I hope that when I'm like 60 years old and you know not working but I've got loads of cats they'll still be there with me oh no she's a cat woman <laughs> oh yes <laughs> I, I heard um, a great marketer once say and of one of the most valuable brands in the world she said that if people love your brand you won't have to sell them the t-shirt yeah and I think that that's what we see yeah it, I love it, it, that. it very accurately describes what you've done is and even just the way that you speak about your own business I'm not influencing you by the toothpaste but by the way this is what I use and you're probably watching and 
This is what, what I stand for and endorse. So do you have any parting tips, whether it's apps that you use or things that you're learning or the way that you caption, anything that you can share? I think that the biggest message that I think that I would want people to know is that there's still so much space, even though people talk about this industry being so saturated, there are still so many people that are coming up from nothing um, in terms of followers and creating these amazing platforms and engaging so many people. It's all about coming with something unique and something different and a new idea and a new approach and I'm all for that. Like I love seeing people come and bring something new and really um, nailing the, the creative space and so it's not just that you, you know so many people think today oh I'm not going to start because there's so many people doing it I think if you come and you don't try to be another version of someone else and you come and be your authentic self because this industry is literally built on authenticity then there's space for you and I'm excited to see new people join join the space and, and just do their own their own thing basically. Lydia, thank you so much for coming on Like to Know It Influencer Radio. Everybody can follow Lydia ooh, at Lydia E. Millen on Instagram. You can follow my home account as well. It's I always say this wrong. It's Lydia Millen Home. And I'm basically the same on YouTube. So come and find me there. Thanks, Lydia. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Like to Know It Influencer Radio. Follow Lydia to shop her on-trend, sophisticated personal style and her beautiful English home in the Like to Know It app at LydiaMillen underscore style and at LydiaMillenHome. In listening to this podcast, I hope you find your people, the ones with backgrounds, circumstances, and dreams just like you, and that their stories empower you on your own journey. Are you ready to binge Influencer Radio? Flip back to season one for nine more episodes and be sure to hit subscribe because we have a lot more coming your way. Continue to follow along with all of our guests, all in the Like to Know It app. Their handles are listed in the description box of each episode. Do you have the app? The Like to Know It app is the only place where you can go to search for products and get 100% shoppable results, all in the context of the lives of the real influential people who actually use those products. We've indexed the millions of Like to Know It influencer posts and made them all searchable and shoppable for you in one place. Is your mind blown? Download the free Like to Know It app on the App Store and Google Play and start searching today. Let's go shopping.